0: hey good morning welcome to watershed it's christmas time apparently (laughs) we're singing a christmas song this morning to start off our day because uh if you've been with us for a while we've been in a series a long series called the story we've broken up into bits today we are switching from the old testament to the new testament and jesus has arrived so we're singing the nativity we're singing his arrival and manual means god with us that's the promise that god is with us today so uh It's very exciting. Jesus is here. We're going to be talking about him in the four different gospel stories for the next couple weeks leading up to Easter. We're so glad you're spending a portion of your morning with us today. Um, You've probably heard us, if you've been around a little bit, say that we're all about the freedom, friendship, and rest in the finished work of Jesus. Uh, We're so excited to be talking about that with you today. Would you just take a moment and just stand and greet the people around you? uh, Ask them what they're going to do with this beautiful, sunny day. All right, we invite you to continue worshiping with us.
1: me let it break let your name still and call the sea to still the range in me to sell i
0: here today, knowing your name, your love, and all the blessings that you give us in hard times and easy. There is no other name but yours. Thank you, Lord, for this day and the opportunity to worship. Amen. We invite you to be seated and watch the next clip of our story.
2: It had been 400 years since God had spoken directly to the Israelites. Then, one day, God sent an angel to a girl named Mary, who was engaged to a man named Joseph. The angel told Mary that she would soon become pregnant and give birth to a son named Jesus. He would be great, and God would give him the throne of his ancestor David, and his kingdom would never end. But Mary was a virgin, and this confused her. So the angel told her it would be by God's power that she became pregnant. When Mary's fiance Joseph heard about this, he decided he would quietly end the engagement. But an angel visited Joseph as well, telling him not to be afraid, and that Jesus would save people from their sins. So Joseph and Mary decided to get married. Soon after, they traveled to the town of Bethlehem. Because so many other people were in town, there was no place for them to stay, so they slept in a manger. While they were there, Mary gave birth to her son, wrapped him in cloths, and laid him in the manger. There were shepherds living in the fields nearby. While they were watching their sheep, an angel appeared to them announcing that a boy had been born in Bethlehem. This boy, said the angel, was the Messiah, the king that the Israelites had been waiting for. So the shepherds left their sheep and raced to Bethlehem, finding Mary and Joseph and Jesus in the manger. The shepherds praised God for their new king. During this time, the country of Rome controlled all of Israel. After hearing about Jesus's birth, a group of magicians and astrologers came to Herod, a governor working for the Roman Empire. They claimed that they had seen a star in the sky, telling them that the king of the Israelites, now called Jews, had been born. This news really upset Herod. He gathered all the priests and teachers and asked them where the ancient prophets predicted the king of the jews would be born when they arrived in bethlehem and met mary joseph and jesus they felt great joy herod was furious and commanded that all boys in bethlehem who were two years old and younger be killed but god had already warned joseph who by that time had moved his family to egypt to hide later After King Herod died, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus moved back to Israel to a small town named Nazareth. They stayed in Nazareth for years, raising Jesus. When he was 12, they traveled to Jerusalem for a festival. When the festival ended, Joseph and Mary left for home with a large group of people. But Jesus stayed behind without them knowing. When they realized he was missing, They went back to Jerusalem and found Jesus sitting in the temple, listening to the teachers and asking them questions. His parents were upset and couldn't understand why he had stayed behind. Jesus told them, Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Joseph and Mary didn't know what he meant. They did not yet fully understand the importance of who Jesus was and all he would do. love to invite children preschool through fifth grade up for um, to pray before class All right, let's bow our heads and fold our hands. Dear Lord, thank you for another Sunday of bringing us all here together. Help us to pay attention in our class and learn um, what our teachers wanna show us today and um, help us to all feel how much you love us, amen.
3: And good morning to y'all. Alright, that was a little better than last week. Last week was a little weak, but uh, this morning there was a little more energy. Maybe it's the sunshine. Um, pastor Aaron, I'm the campus pastor here at Watershed. Um, if you're not familiar with Heart Awake, we have three worshiping communities on our campus to go along with youth ministries and all kinds of other fun things. But uh, yeah, with have three campuses, three pastors uh, to be able to work with. Actually, hi, JV. Ha <laughs> ha. He got a morning to take a break, so um, pressure's on today, but uh, no. I want to welcome you, though, uh, to worship with us this morning. A uh, couple of highlights minute for ministries taking place here at Heart of uh, First this week, we got a unique opportunity on Wednesday night this year Wednesday nights are kind of coming to a close for our community night, uh, as we get closer to spring break. That's kind of when uh, the weekly dinner and things like that um, kind of come to a halt. But this week, um, before we're all done, we have a unique opportunity. A former um, professor from Calvin, uh, uni- I gotta say, Calvin University. It's not Calvin College anymore. Uh, but Frank Spires, he worships with us here. He's Um, has focused his career on art. He's going to do a presentation on the end of art. So uh, this is going to be kind of, I mean, fun to listen to and experience. And he kind of walks through some art history, how art has changed um, based on how we as a culture interact with God and is God in it. So all kinds of fun things. I'm not going to trump what he has to say because he'll say it way better than I will. Uh, I want to invite you out the Wednesday night at uh, 6 o'clock, that'll begin our, um, our Wednesday night meal, starts at 5.15, so if you want to come grab a meal, uh, certainly feel free to join us for that. Uh, next weekend, we'll be doing our Feed My Starving Children event. Um, we've been talking about this Friday night into Saturday. We still need about 180 volunteers for Saturday. Um, Now, Hardaway's been doing a good job. We're a collection of churches, actually, that are coming together to do this. I know Hardaway's been representing well, uh, but I know we need some more volunteers come Saturday. So if you're interested in doing some food packing, make meals available um, for families that don't have them around the world. Um, This is a great opportunity to join us with that. Um, And then, as always, as we partner together in ministry, um, some of the ways we do that is with our gifts. Uh, If you look around, we don't pass an offering plate at Watershed, but we do have boxes. So if you want to join us in that, um, there are some other ways you can see on the screen. Um, Otherwise, I want to dive into the message this morning. Before we do that, though, uh, let's pray. Uh, How I'm going to pray this morning is I'm going to leave a little bit of space. I'm just going to pray about something and then leave some space for you to add your own prayer. Um, You don't have to do it out loud. Uh, just in the silence, but we all carry a lot of things into a time of worship. We we all carry a lot of things into this space this morning, into our relationship with God. And so I want to just give us a moment to be able to pour out our hearts. And remember this, when you pray, there's no right or wrong words to say. God cares more about what you have to say to him than whether or not you said it the right way, if there is even one. So I'm going to leave some space. It may feel a little different for you, but just take that moment. And if you just need that moment for silence, that's absolutely fine. But if you will, join me in prayer this morning. Our God, we have sung to you Jesus as the name that is above all names. We know that in you the world has been created, life has been given, Father, as as we think about the beauty of creation this morning, as we think about a God who does good things, Father, we just want to lift up your name in our prayers this morning. We want to take a moment to praise you for who you are and what you've done. So Lord, hear our prayers. Father, when we think about who you are, you are perfect. You are holy. And we know that part of our human story is that we're not. We make mistakes. Father, we carry regrets. We do things we don't even realize we've done. And we've left undone things that we needed to step into. So Lord, over these short seconds, this moment, Father, hear our prayers of confession to you. God, we can confess our brokenness to you because you have saved us. You remove our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. We don't confess to be beat down. We confess to you so that you can lift us up. So, Father, as we pray these next prayers, may they be prayers for your grace, your mercy in our lives. May they be our prayers that say thank you God for your saving us for your rescuing us for your forgiveness to us. Finally God we know there are challenges, there are pain, there are needs in people's lives around us, in the world in which we live. Those are too numerous for us to even be, be able to name. <laughs> but God, we know that you hear our prayers on the behalf of others, that you're present in everyone's life, and so we ask, God, in, in these next moments that you will hear our prayers for those we love, for our neighbors, and for this world. Again, God, thank you. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you, Jesus, for standing our behalf and in between us and the Father and making our prayers known. For hearing them, for being with us in these prayers. For being able to say words we ourselves don't even know how to say. For being able to take the jumbled mess of, of ideas and things floating around in our heads and our hearts. And God, you make them make sense. Father, I thank you that you care. And now, Lord, as we come into your word, as we hear from what you have to say to us, Holy Spirit, speak. Use me to, to, to speak your word clearly, to help us understand what you have to say. But Lord, bigger than that, Holy Spirit, change, transform, challenge, encourage our hearts. I can't do that, but God, you can. You can take this holy and special thing, the scriptures, the Bible, and you can change lives through its story and message. Father, change and transform our lives. For your sake, for our sake, and for the sake of those around us, for the sake of this world. God, again, thank you for hearing our prayers. We love you. We praise you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. And all God's children say, amen. As Drew mentioned uh, this morning, we are diving in. We are finally, after 21 weeks of journeying through the Old Testament, which I have fun. Um, I like the Old Testament. There are a lot of cool things. I hope that through our journey in this story, um, which has been our guide, right? We've been showing videos every week to kind of help you navigate uh, your way, our journey through the Bible. Um, but I hope that you're getting a better understanding of the Bible, of the Old Testament, right? These, these books that, that shape us, these stories of Israel that have, that mean something to us, that actually all lead to who we'll talk, to, talk about today, Jesus. But as we've been going through, we're going to keep showing the videos, um, so that will keep you on track if you're reading along with us. It will also just help you if you're, you know, kind of been a guest here, just figuring things out, watching. Keeps you in the story of Jesus, that's great. But we decided, um, just as pastors, to go, you know, the story didn't really give us much help in navigating Jesus' story. How do we make it clear when we only have... You know, four to six weeks to do this. So we decided we would take each of the four Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're gonna kind of highlight what each one of those Gospels uniquely says. So I, I think about it this way. There was a, kind of this parable that was out there of six blind men as they approached an elephant. I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but as the six blind men met and approached the element, or the elephant, the element, uh, element, elephant. Okay, uh, <laughs> they all uh, ran into a different part of the elephant. Uh, shall we say? One grabbed the tail. It's a snake. One grabs a tusk, it's a sword. One, of course, runs into the elephant's belly, it's a wall. Another one gets, climbs on top, can feel the waving of its big ears. and, and you, Ooh, it's a fan. Right? All of them have different perspectives. Well, that's kind of how the Gospels work. They all have different perspectives. They were all written to different people for different purposes. So the stories of Jesus may be a little different in each one. Why? Because oftentimes we do this, don't we? We tell a story uniquely to the person we're talking to for what? A unique reason and purpose. So we may tell the story one way over here, while someone else may tell the story differently here. And so we figured, you know what, we should, the best thing we can do over these next four weeks especially is we can help you hopefully better understand why Matthew tells the story this morning the way he does. Why Mark next week will tell the story the way he does and so on. So as we get thinking about Matthew this morning, uh, I've got a couple videos, and I'm going to just thanks this is the, the joy of being able to work together as colleagues. Bill came up with a couple short videos, and the first one I love. It's Bono. I'm, I'm a YouTube fan. So um, here's Bono talking briefly with a basically Irish PBS. So he's being interviewed on prayer and on who Jesus is. Let's listen in into this interview
4: what or who was Jesus as far as you're concerned
3: I think it's the it's
4: a defining question for a Christian is who was Christ and and I don't think you're let off easily by saying a great thinker or a great philosopher or a, you know because actually he went around saying he was the Messiah that's why he was crucified he was crucified because he said he was the Son of God so He either, in my view, was the Son of God, or he was not. No, no, nuts. Nuts, yes. Forget rock and roll messianic complexes. This is like, I mean, Charlie Manson-type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth, for 2,000 years, have been touched have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just, I don't believe it. I, so I think, therefore, it follows that you believe he was divine. Yes. And therefore, it follows that you believe that he rose physically from the dead. Yes. Yeah. I'm into. Uh, I, I'm I've no problem with miracles. <laughs> I'm living around them. I am one. So, so when you pray, then you pray to Jesus. Yes. The risen Jesus. Yes. And you believe that he made promises which will come true. Yes. I do.
3: Most defining question for Christians, I would say the most defining question for any of us, who is Jesus? So let's dive into Matthew. Matthew Uh, We're going to look at chapter 16, Matthew 16. If you've got your Bibles, we're now in the New Testament. You can kind of see Old Testament, now we're in the skinny part, the New Testament. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew 16, starting in verse 13, let's hear God's word this morning. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Right? There's that question, uh, who is Jesus? Who do you say? Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter, usually the one who's uh, the one who's going to speak up the fastest, who's ready to stick his mouth in, foot in mouth. Anytime, it doesn't matter, he's, he's just there. First in line, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Well, guess what? He didn't stick his foot in his mouth this time. Jesus replied, blessed, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. Like, his name actually literally means rock. You are rock. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So how in the world, where do we get Matthew's message about who Jesus was in these short few verses? Well, first, I think it comes into that question. Who do people say that I am, right? We hear Bono. Who do you say Jesus is? Bono says what? This is the most important question for us. If Jesus is literally the hinge of history, if he is the central one to which all of history before him pointed and all of history after him and our future brings us, then how we answer this question, how the world answers this question is incredibly important. Let's watch another video of what people say about who Jesus is.
2: Historical figure? I don't know. I think he was just a person. I don't know.
4: Just a normal person, like us. He was a selfless person.
1: I have no clue. He was a man.
2: I think he was a marketing genius, because he got people to believe him.
4: I don't, I don't think he's the son of God. I don't, I don't believe that at all.
3: If David Copperfield was in the day of Jesus, he would be Jesus. I'm
1: pretty sure he existed like I'm not gonna say that he didn't exist he
2: was God's son but so was Gandhi and so was Muhammad, and so is you know we're all God's children Jesus
0: is someone
2: I pray to well Jesus is my Lord and Savior um, and He, to me, is the, like, symbol of just ultimate forgiveness and ultimate love. He's sort of that, like, constant figure in my life. Jesus is also Isa in Arabic, and he was a messenger as well.
1: He was just extremely enlightened, like, religiously and morally.
2: Was somebody that um, just tried to um, impart wisdom on others and um, make the world a better place.
4: I think he saw something that a lot of people didn't see and still don't see in others.
0: And I I think that's just a lot of... Love and, and hope. Jesus sort of seemed like an ominous uh, figure. You know, he just, he, he was God and it was hard to relate to him. But I think as I've grown in my faith a lot, I've really started to see Jesus
3: as my closest friend. If it was Field <laughs> a lot of different ways we answer this question, right? C.S. Lewis, when he wrote Mere Christianity, he said, Man, Jesus is either Lord, he's a liar. I love this picture, right? So it's basically the devil himself leading you astray, or he's a lunatic, he's crazy. Because actually, if he was simply a great teacher, have you ever listened to what he had to say? I mean, Bono leads into that a little bit, right? Like, no, it's not, he's not God, he's nuts, right? He's a nutter. (laughs) Gotta love a little of the cultural Irish, you know, flavor in there, right? Or today we see he's legend. He's just a myth, kind of like, you know, Bigfoot, Harry and the Hendersons, anyone Okay, good. At least there's a little, you're with me, right? Who we say Jesus is means something. Jesus asks his disciples, Who do people say that I am? Well, he's a prophet. He's a prophet like uh, John the Baptist. Or maybe he's like Elijah, Israel, because Matthew writes to an, a Jewish audience. He's starting first with the people of Israel, trying to help them understand that Jesus is coming from them as a people. He was the promised one for them that they anticipated and expected and leaned into. And he says, they're they're going, well, you know, he's doing the works of God, these wonders of God. Prophets do kind of crazy things. Prophets, as we've heard throughout this story, they communicate God's word to the people and he, he taught like one who was, like, like those who were greater than the teachers of the law. People, people were astounded. Even when he was 12, we saw this in the video. Even when he was 12 in the temple, we're like, what? Psh, he's blowing our mind. So he's a prophet. Just before this, in Matthew 16, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, two key religious groups that, that made up what was called the Sanhedrin, they came to Jesus to, to not um, be, learn something about him. They were testing him, the scripture says. So they were trying to trip him up. And anytime those two groups actually came together to work on common ground, it was bad because they were enemies, right? The Pharisees, uh, we could, if I had one word to describe them, is they were legalistic. So they were radically committed to law. And then they built laws upon laws upon laws, right? And then it was going, man, you need to ask us if it's okay to breathe, right? I'm going a little extreme there. But, but that was really their bent. The Sadducees, on the other hand, they were, if we might say, liberal. And I'm not talking about a political divide we understand today. But liberal in the standpoint of saying, we're going to sell out what we believe for the sake of our position, They were more concerned about where they stood with the current regime and being in power than they cared about what they believed. Which, to a legalistic person, would that go real well? No. You have two sides of this big spectrum. And yet they're working together. Why? Because to them, Jesus was a threat. To the legalist, he taught the law better than they ever understood it and then he took all their extra laws, threw them away, and even at times expounded so that they were like, "Um, we can't even keep that law. And he's like, yeah, (laughs) because you need me. To those who were concerned about their position in power and didn't believe on standing on any firm ground, he says, "You're you're like somebody who builds their house on the sand. And guess what, man, that just gets whisked away. He was a threat. We saw in the video this morning that there were magi from the east who came to seek out at the beginning of Matthew, came to seek out this one born. They saw a star in the sky. They came to Herod, who was ruling at the time in Judea. Said, where's the king of the Jews? And what's Herod's first response? Oh. Second response, time to kill every male Jewish baby two years and under. Why? Because Jesus was a threat to his position. Who Jesus is, how we answer the question about him, determines a lot for how we live, doesn't it? Matthew understands this as he speaks to God's people. But he doesn't understand it in the standpoint of saying, okay, hey, let's just sit here and talk about what everybody else believes. He turns the question now back to the disciples. Because he's like, you know what? At the end of the day, you can talk about what everybody else believes, but I care about who do you say I am? That's for all of us. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say I am? Jesus says this in the shadows of Caesarea Philippi. Part of the, when we want to study the scriptures and understand it, is, is to beware of where these stories take place. Well, Caesarea Philippi was the very north of the kind of Jewish-Israel area. And in this place, um, Herod was gifted by Caesar Augustus this town, the city. And so Herod's son, Philip, uh, renovated the city, did a, all kinds of spectacular things, rebuilt it, and then renamed it one Caesarea, Caesar. You picking up on that, Right? One in honor of Caesar, Caesar, because in the Roman world, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is a god. Caesar is Lord. And then, of course, what do you do if you're a leader? You name it after yourself as well. Or you're a narcissist, whatever. But Caesarea Philippi. And you can kind of see up on the picture here, what what do we see temples of? When Jesus asks this question, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? He's asking in the shadow of a temple to Augustus. Caesar is Lord. Right? You pledge your allegiance to Caesar. You pledge your allegiance to Rome. To the temple of Zeus, the key god to Romans and Greeks. And then you see the court of Pan. Pan was a Greek god who was the god of shepherds. We'll come back to that in just a moment. But also a god of fertility. You don't see it on this picture, but there was also then a shrine to Baal, Baal. I think if you've been around and you've been hearing our journey through the Old Testament, Baal comes up. He's one of the Canaanite gods, one of the key gods that they worship. In the shadow of these gods, In the shadow of an empire, Jesus says, Who do you say that I am? As we read, tongue-in-cheek, yeah, Peter, he's the first to go. He's he's ready to jump to the front of the line. Oftentimes, yep, insert foot in mouth. I relate well to Peter. Why? Because I like to talk. It just happens. (laughs) But this time, Peter didn't make a mistake. Peter's confession got to the heart of Matthew's gospel. Got to the heart of what every God-fearing Jewish person believed and knew about their story and the trajectory of what God had in store for them. That Jesus is the promised Messiah. Peter says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who was promised uh, all the way back to the beginning in the garden when Adam and Eve were were disciplined, were were kicked out for their first sin. God said, what? I'm going to crush the head of the serpent. One like the Son of Man would crush its head. Going back then, jumping forward to a a covenant with Noah, God made a promise that never again would he flood the earth, but he was going to be in relationship with God's people with his people, with this world. Going to Abraham. Abraham, I've called you out of all of the nations to be a blessing in this world. Going to David, king. In fact, let me read the very beginning of Matthew. Matthew 1, verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Here is the one who is the promised king. Messiah as it means anointed one means king means the one who is who is promised to rule his people who is to rule this world. When Peter says listen you are Christ you are the Messiah again think about the shadow in which they're standing in. Not Caesar is lord. Not Baal, not Pan, the shepherd god which by the way, who were they standing in front of? The good shepherd. Irony? Eh. Not for Matthew. Matthew tells it to a Jewish audience. When a Jewish audience knew and heard of a shepherd, they thought of a king. Because a king was to shepherd God's people. He was to care for them, lead them. He was to walk with them. He was to protect them. And here, it says, you're the promised one. In the face of the gods of the shepherds, the lords of the empire, the king of the kingdom is recognized by Peter. You're not simply a prophet, although you are the true and perfect prophet. Did Jesus do the works of God? Absolutely. Did he speak the word of God? You better believe it. But it was because all of the prophets were a mere shadow to who he was and who he would be. Everything the temple for a Jewish person was, the worship of God, everything the law was intended to lead us to, Jesus is the fullness of. When this confession of Peter happens, Matthew is telling his audience and telling us that the promises of God from the beginning of eternity till now, all are on Jesus. He is the hinge of history. Everything hangs on him. He is every promise of God fulfilled. And he is your king. No one else. Nothing else. Like Bono. I love that interview. While brief. What does he say? So then it must mean that you believe that, that he was raised from the dead. Yep. Right. Then it must be, right? Then if you believe Jesus is the Messiah, then. And what do he say? Yep. Yep. And you believe in miracles. Yep, I believe in miracles. Man, I am one, right? Man, look at your life. There's no way we're not sitting here today unless God has done, uh, done miracles in our lives, worked, worked wonders for each of us and in each of us. This confession is central to what Matthew says. It's central to our story, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, he's not saying he's divine. We'll get there in John. Because the Son of the Living God was a title that carried through all of Jewish history to say, nope, he is the anointed one. He is the one tried and true. He is the one we lean on. And then what does Jesus say to Peter? Peter, blessed are you. You didn't come up with this on your own, it came because of the Father in heaven. Here's an easy answer I think I have for this. And it's, it's just me. I borrow from a few scholars. But I think what he means from that of you've been gifted this from the Father in heaven is because Jesus was standing right in front of his face. Emmanuel, as Matthew would say, God incarnate, God in the person, we'll hear later, again this is the beauty of all of the Gospels, that if you see Jesus, you see the Father, When Jesus says, hey, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, that they followed. They went, okay, we're in it with you. And because they were willing to be in relationship with the Son of God, with the Messiah, the Anointed One, they could actually see who he was. If you don't want to be in relationship with him, it's hard to see him as the Son of God. Amen? It's hard to see him as a miracle worker. It's hard to see the reality of what his teaching is. Because who would follow a teacher who would go, oh, you know what? Hey, by the way, you're going to eat this flesh and drink this blood when it comes to community. Whoa? We follow like vampires and zombies? What's going on, right? He's a little loony. Or to quote Bono, he's a nutter. (laughs) He's he's seriously got a God complex. (laughs) But what did he say? This isn't like rock and roll kind of This is Charlie Manson kind of complex. Want to talk about him, be a legend? Go learn your history. When Jewish Roman historians who had nothing to do with Jesus spoke of him. When millions of people continued to be changed. When not a one of the disciples ever changed their story as they were martyred or lived their life out when the Bible still is the most most reliable and accurate text of all the manuscripts that continue. Legend? Come on, folks. Don't be so lazy. Do your work. But in a culture where we don't want to think history has any meaning, it's easy to say, well, you're just a legend like Bigfoot. No. Right? This Jesus changes everything. And it was revealed to Peter. Why? Because Peter was willing to be in relationship. We can see Jesus face to face because he comes into our lives and he says, I'm, I'm going to show you who I am. Will you be willing to see me as Lord? What's this mean for us? The beauty of the text, he says what? That the gates of hell won't, won't, uh, won't be able to overcome you. Let me, I'm going to jump back a just to this picture here, you can kind of see behind the, the temple of Augustus, there was a cave. That cave in Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi was seen as the entrance to Hades, one of the, the many entrances to the dead. And so some of their gods, like Pan, who was also a fertility god on top of that, would in the wintertime go vacation in Hades until it was springtime when the rains came, then those gods would come out of Hades, right? So it was seen as a place of the damned. It was seen as a place where, where evil and brokenness would come, right? And, and so Jesus says, hey, listen, that isn't going to win. Not just temple, Caesar, who's standing at the gateway of Hades, but Hades itself won't over- overcome this confession, won't overcome me as Lord. There is nothing greater than who I am. And what does this mean for us? That this is our sure foundation. Right? Jesus does this beautiful play on words, Peter, rock. This is now the rock on which we stand. Now this has been argued about for centuries. This is how we have actual uh, some of in the Catholic church, the Pope has to be uh, of the line of Peter. This text is some of how they get there. I can't get there, but again, um, we argue about a lot of things as Christians as we read the scriptures. Uh, so we're going to leave that for another time. I'm going to just help you get to where at least I read with other, others who've gone before me. Is that when Jesus says to Peter, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. On this sure foundation, this is where things stay. This. He doesn't say on you. You are Peter. Yep, you are a rock. On this rock I will build my church. It's interesting that throughout all of the scriptures, Old Testament and New, anytime the rock is uh, an analogy of something, it's of God. Jesus himself in Matthew 7 says, what? Built on the sand. I mentioned that a little while ago. That, you know, some of you build your house on the sand, and, and, and if you do that, man, ooh, that's, that's, we all know what happens when you build your house on the sand being in West Michigan. Amen? Right? You need a sure foundation. But if you build your house on a rock, he'll go later to Matthew 21 as he quotes Isaiah, and he says, hey, listen, this rock is the chief cornerstone. It's what everything holds on to. As I've said up until this point, the hinge of history, the center point of everything, the key to it all is Jesus. Paul would later say in Romans that it's on this rock. This rock can either be your cornerstone or it can be a stumbling block. It'll trip you up. It'll get you messed up a little. But Jesus and the confession that he is the promised Messiah is our sure foundation. He's a sure foundation. Why? Because as the promised one, we can trust that God answers and fulfills his promise. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm not going to follow someone who, doesn't, someone who doesn't keep his word. And when God said, hey, the most important promise throughout all of the history of humanity... Is that I'm going to bring this anointed Messiah to redeem my people, to save you Israel, but also to bless the entirety of the world. If God had never shown up and answered that promise, how good would his word be? And every other promise then, anchored in Jesus, is a promise we can depend on. It is a sure foundation on which we can stand. And it's sure because we also serve the one who is king. Now, there may be empires in this world. There may be leaders and rulers. There may be those who think they have it all, say it all, and their word is gospel. (laughs) But we serve the one true king who sits on the throne. Rome may seem like it's winning. Matthew says to the Jewish people, but our God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. This is a sure foundation if we believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Then Matthew says, you know what? And if we believe that, not only do we have a sure foundation, this is our mission. Jesus says in Matthew 28, the very end of, of the book, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, And actually translated probably better, therefore, while you're going, wherever you're going, whether you're going home, whether you're going to work, whether you're going out to the store, whether you're walking along the street, it doesn't matter. Therefore, while you're going, make disciples of all nations. Make people who are committed to me, invite them to follow me. Make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. For I am what? With you always, to the very end of the age. Again, the promise of God's presence always with us. Matthew says, this king will never leave you. This God who has always been with you has now been with you in human form. He's got all authority, but go make disciples. Let me simplify what the disciple-making mission is. Inviting people to trust and obey Jesus. Inviting people to keep leaning on him. Believing that he is the rock on which we stand. He is king of the world. He is the one who, yes, will rescue us from our sin. We're going to dive into that more in Mark next week. But he's the one. There is no other leader. No one higher. There is no other name. That is Jesus. And because we can rely on him, we also bend our knee to him. We also take our cue from him. The one who was the author of the world, who was the writer of the law, who was the teacher of teachers is the one who knows best how life is meant to be lived. And if we want life, not only do we throw ourselves on him, but we live in his way. We take his lead. But our mission is to invite people into the story not be afraid to say what we believe who we confess we can show it in our actions right some of us get nervous in what we say that's okay to be nervous in what we say let's go man hey listen i just keep hanging on jesus i love that bono interview in the simplicity because it's like no i just i believe he's the son of god yet he's the messiah oh savior of the world man that's it okay put on the spot that's what i believe That's who I'm about. I I can live it in in, in how I reflect his life. I'm going to be about the stuff he's about. I'm just going to keep going, man. And and you know what? Hey, I'm going to pray for you because that's what my God. And you know what? I believe God's with you. And I believe he refuses to give up on you. Or when you're feeling those bouts of shame and guilt from what has been, you go, man, you know what? I hear you. and I'm going to listen. But let me tell you, God doesn't judge you by what has been. He believes in what can be. If we give ourselves to a man, he, he forgives. This is a God who brings freedom, right? At, at Watershed, we talk about freedom in the finished work of Jesus. doesn't matter where you've been. doesn't matter what your stories look like. It doesn't, doesn't matter the, the amount of mistakes or the, the, the amazing gravity of them or the little simplicities. The once in a while. Our God is a God of forgiveness and grace. We can change only because of that. Our God is a God, as we talked about in Esther, where this new moment is a new moment. We can't change what has been. But our God can redeem it. He can make something of it. and He can use it and he can use me. Right. Our invitation is just to trust and obey. Will we trust and obey a king? Will we rely on, will we depend on the fact that he is a sure foundation? He is the promised Messiah. He is the hinge of all of history. He is the climax of the story. And I'm not talking about the Zondervan edited portion of the story of the scriptures. No, he is the center, the climax of this biblical story, and he is the climax of human history. It changes everything. It will only change everything if we allow ourselves to enter into that story. If we'll follow Him and trust Him, will you do that? Now's a new opportunity. Doesn't matter where you've been before. Will you do it today? Lord Jesus, here I am. Have Your way. Let's pray. God, thank you that in the gospel of Matthew, you show us promises fulfilled. Lord, I mean, Matthew is filled with, and this was to fulfill the promise spoken. This was to fulfill the promise spoken. God, you are one who keeps your word. We may not always see how that happens, but we do see clearly that Jesus is a fulfillment of everything that you had promised to bring your salvation into this world, to bring your life. He fulfilled Israel's story and he fills ours. So, Lord, help us today again confess you as our Lord, as Christ, the anointed one, to trust you as the rock on which we can stand. Lord, I want to pray for the world in which we live. Lord, for those who are skeptical. For those who doubt. For those who deny. For those who think Jesus is simply a legend. For those who think he's a great teacher. For those who see him simply as one of God's children. We heard that earlier. (laughs) Or maybe just slightly above, but they're not the true Lord. These stories go on and on. These perspectives are so there's so many. But God, we want to pray that you would help those who struggle to see you as you are, to see you fully. That in your grace, that's that's part of your DNA to give us what we don't deserve. That you would show up as clearly for for people who 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 just don't get you, but you would show up as clearly for them as you did for your disciples. Help them see. Help us continue to see. God, this isn't a place where we go, see, we're so much more evolved. No, that's, that's not at all. It's because when we see you, we see the author of life. We see life itself. We see the center, we see the foundation, we see the firmness. Lord, when I look in the world, in our, in our neighborhoods, and in, in our neighbors' lives, and even in our friends' lives, when we build our house on anything other than you, Lord, it's just some sandy and unsolid ground. I want for our world, for our neighbors, our friends, for us, to be able to stand on something sure and that something is you. So again, God, thank you. Thank you that you fulfill your promise. Thank you that you are our king. There is no, no other name. There is no greater name than you. Thank you that as we trust you, you're dependable, and as we obey you, you will lead us into the, in, into the wellspring of life. Lord, you are good. Your love endures forever. Your faithfulness continues to all generations. And we praise you. We pray these things, many more prayers, in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all God's children said, amen.
0: I love that in the Gospels, as Jesus is interacting with people, uh, you can see what they believe by how they respond to him. There are time and time again where people recognize that he is who he says he is, the Messiah, and they fall and they praise and they worship him and bow at his feet. And so today, we just have an opportunity to do the same thing, to respond to who God is and what he's done and declare with with our voices today that you are worthy, God, of being praised. Jesus, you are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. So would you stand with us as we sing this last song together, Worthy, Worthy.
3: the name of our promised Messiah Jesus the Christ the Son of the Living Lord again let me remind you no pen or quill no scholar Listen, I can only do my best but I can't change your heart I can't make it make sense but as Jesus said to Peter hey praise God blessed are you the Father revealed it revealed it because he said hey here I am That's all we have to do, folks. For Jesus' story to be real in our lives, all we have to do is, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Let God shape your story. Receive this blessing of our God this morning. Blessing that's been passed down from generation to generation for thousands of years. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you his peace. the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, Amen. Go in peace. If you want to hang around and chat for a little while, we'd love to have you do that. If you don't mind stacking a few chairs, we appreciate that as well.